Futurecast. The only parallel that I could really draw to you, uh, uh, and try and bring this home to you is being a Patriot fan in 2022 would be like being a Cowboy fan in 1997 if Jimmy Johnson was still your coach, Troy Aikman was still in the league, didn't play for you, if Michael Irvin was still in the league, didn't play for you, and you had to watch your team that you've been told was constructed by a genius and has a great head coach suck because he let players that make those moments great go because he valued himself more. Could you imagine, could you live with yourself? Like, I I want you to think about this long and hard. Who was a team that you didn't care about at all in the 90s uh, in the AFC? Like, they're irrelevant to you. Don't say the Patriots to to be an asshole either. I don't know, Dolphins. We'll go Dolphins. So it would be like Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and uh, and primetime going to the Dolphins in 1996 and winning a Super Bowl. And you still have Jimmy Johnson. And Oh, don't worry. We got Quincy Carter. Like, we're going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Imagine that. Imagine that. That's what we're living through. You don't have to be this way. You just are because you chose to be. Welcome into Missing the Point. I am Michael Marcangelo, joined tonight by the real BK Bob Kelly and the ho- and the producer. I wasn't say hostess with the mostest, Craig, but you don't really host. I just say the producer, then whatever rhymes with producer. Craig D'Alessandro. Medusa the producer. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's great. We're off to a great start. It and rhymes. On, on this episode, what we're going to be talking about, obviously, is the, is the wild and frantic and chaotic NFL uh, free agency and trade and offseason. Uh, and then we'll talk about the Boston Celtics as they continue on their run and and paint a little bit more of a clear uh, NBA playoff picture. But uh, Bobby, I, I'll cede the floor to you. What when you woke up, or when you first saw it, and you and you saw Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins? What did you think? Well, you saw my actual reaction because I was talking to you when I saw <laughs> it. It was holy shit! What just happened? Uh, it's just so in in an off season that has been filled with shocking trade and shocking free agent decision after decision. This one to me is the most shocking of them all. I mean, yeah, there was rumblings where you know uh, they might not be able to afford his cap hit once he gets an extension, all these things. But man, a- after seeing the Chiefs almost come short of the Super Bowl, the last thing I was expecting them to do this off season was trade away their superstar playmaker, who who pretty much. Single, not single-handedly, but had the game-winning play in that game against the Bills, who had, you know, all these electrifying plays, and now all of a sudden he's gone in and, and your guy's division. It's just the 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 series of events just to me that unfolded were just like mind-blowing, man. Mind-blowing. I mean, I mean, for for those that are that are living under a rock or maybe their power has been out and their cell service has been down for the last 24 hours, Kyrie Kill was acquired uh, in a trade by the by the Miami Dolphins uh, with uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for a 2022 first round pick, a 2022 second round pick, a 2022 fourth round pick, and a 2023 fourth and sixth rounder. And he instantly signed a four-year, $120 million contract extension that includes $72 million guaranteed. Most most ever, right? By wide receiver? Yeah, this is what I said uh, in, in our group chat. That's top 15 QB money. Like he, mm-hmm. we're, he, he's what thirty million dollars a year is what he's on the books for, and to your point, I, I think this this NFL offseason has become more like the NBA offseason. Like it, it's been gamified, right? Now people are doing, uh, you know, I think what the you know what the Heat did back in uh, in the mid two thousand like the mid two thousand tens, early two thousand tens, but what the LA Rams just did, load up, figure it out. Draft picks don't matter. Winning now matters the most, and you can figure it all out later. And this may seem like my opinion is this may seem like a lopsided deal. I think the Chiefs made out pretty well, uh, like pretty well, because they are they are great at drafting. They know how to draft skill players, and you just armed Andy, uh, you know Andy Reid with five more draft picks uh, for him and, and and the Kansas City Chiefs to go out there and either trade and get someone else or actually pick. 
this one hits close to home for me, Bobby, uh, because obviously, as you mentioned, this is in our division. This is in the AFC. It's the Patriots, the perennial. I know I, I, I've been called or looped in to being called entitled and uh, and all this other crap about the fact that I don't want my team now to be what your team has been Thanks. for 20 years, right? Because we still have the greatest coach in the history of the game who literally just, I, I, I don't know, he must have a self-loathing thing because he hates, Bill the GM hates Bill the coach. That's what I, that's, I've, all, I've been saying that for 10 years. But now in the division, let's just focus on the Miami Dolphins for now. So yeah, Tua, the, I, I just can't believe that he's going to be the quarterback. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> but on that team, we have Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, you had Tyree Kill. You have Mike Gusecki. And who did you sign today, Patriot fans? Malcolm Butler, who couldn't play last year and can't run. Good for you. I can't wait. I truly cannot fucking wait, part of my language, to see Jalen Mills and, uh, and Malcolm Butler just get torched by Tyree Hill twice next year. Oh, and then don't forget, you still have Stefan Diggs. Uh, that's uh, that's what the bill. So good job, nice job, New England. Yeah, and you you got a corner that can't run, like you said, in response to the fastest wide receiver in the NFL getting traded into your division. And you know, I I know the Butler to the Patriots was rumored before that, but I mean, the timing of that that was absolutely a reaction deal. That right? They they saw that deal, and they're like, fuck, or shoot. We, we got to get Malcolm in here. We got to get someone. Yeah. Bill will never admit that it's a value deal, right? Like yeah, you just paid yeah. two years, $9 million for a guy that wanted 60 million three years ago and was out of the league in two. So yeah, good for you. Great. You just signed a 32 year old corner who was out of the league last year and deemed to be not adequate enough to play in Tennessee to cover Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs twice each next year. What, what are you doing? Like, I would also say the Dolphins, if you really think about it, they added burners across all the offense. Yeah, and don't forget Chase Edmonds, too, which they traded for Chase Edmonds as well this offense. And Raheem Mostert. He, right. He yeah. signed there. Like, that guy just runs straight fast. That's it. I mean, so, you know, we've been talking a lot on, uh, on this show uh, over the last couple of months about how the Patriots need to adapt. Well, they're going to have to this year or after this year because they are going, as it's currently constituted, you can save this, you can clip it, Craig. They are going to get their asses handed to them by uh, two better teams in the division. And, uh, you know, I think now after spending, what, $180 million guaranteed dollars a year ago, 2022 is a rebuild. It might be, it might be a nine and eight year. And then what? Now you have to go. Now you have to go spend another hundred million dollars next year if you have it, just to catch up to the fucking dolphins. That's what we're doing. So I'm I'm a little upset. I don't know if you could tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell at all. Not even a little bit. But yeah, it's it, it's crazy that so the Patriots have gone from let's make this into a Patriots thing. So actually, first before we go to the Patriots, I do want to talk about the Dolphins real quick. The the speed that this team is at, like you just alluded to, man, is is top notch, and, and I've never seen anything like it. They <laughs> now have, they now have, uh, Jalen Waddle's one of the fastest players in the NFL. He's one of the Fresh. shiftiest players in the NFL already. So, so they already had one of the fastest players on the outside, and then you add literally the fastest player in the NFL, right? You add Chase Edmonds to the backfield, who's one of the better receiving backs in the NFL. You have two behind quarterback. Man, I, I don't I don't know. I, I just don't like you said, man. I, I, I gotta say, I do not see it with him being the starting quarterback. He listen, Tua is not a deep ball thrower, and that's what they're building their offense to be. They're building their offense to have big plays and 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 I just don't see it with Tua, man. I don't. But to, so go back to the Pats. It, it's crazy to me that they've gone from the upside coming into this year, right? Coming into this offseason with Mac Jones making the playoffs in the first year, 
all these all these different things that are like, you know, Patriot Center, you absolutely should feel positive about this. Two, the Dolphins have now absolutely leapfrogged your team, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and not to compare them to my Cowboys, but the Patriots' responses to the moves that the other teams in the division are making, right? The Bills signing Von Miller. The, the Dolphins getting Tyreek Hill, getting Chase Edmonds, making all these moves. And your response, Bill, the GM, is to go sign Malcolm Butler. Your response is, is to, to literally do absolutely nothing. You know, you already alluded to it once, man, but it, it literally does sound like the makings of, of a disappointing, you know, rebuild season and, and one of those off seasons like the Cowboys always have where it's like, oh, the Patriots are linked to this guy. Didn't get him. Oh, but they're linked to these two guys. We didn't get him, but we re-signed Malcolm Butler. Did you see that? Come on. Like, right. It's. You know, it, 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 they they had uh, they had Allen Robinson in right uh, for, and they were they were talking to him for 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 as a free agent. I, I, if you don't think he has anything left in the tank, fine. Can we can we at least agree that someone like an Allen Robinson, an OBJ to some extent, uh, would would at least be enough of a decoy to make Jacoby Myers and the rest of that offense better? It, it would free up. It should free up the middle because you can't just leave. Allen Robinson or an out or actually a, a perennial outside threat alone because you could get smoked, right? But now that's not what they did. They lowballed him, and and, and this, this whole notion and, and there are Patriots uh, fans out there and apologetics out there, and then there's the other ones that say we will fire fire Bill the coach. No, no, don't 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 do that because the next the next guy up could be Joe Joe Judge or Matt Patricia or one of Belichick's moronic children so we definitely don't want that we just want Bill the GM to maybe listen to other people out there and if you think that Tua is going to be the starting quarterback for Miami the only thing that you can say is at least that uh what we know of that of, of that dirtbag owner at least he's trying to figure out if he puts enough skill players around Tua, can he be successful, right? He's, he's, he's going to try and make him better. What are we doing with Mac? Ty Montgomery? That, that's your free agent signing. Ty Montgomery, good for you. Good. Again, you signed Malcolm Butler. Great. Terrence Mitchell, awesome. 84-year-old Devin McCourty. I love you. I respect you. Thank you so much. You, you, you were one of the best. Like You were the start of, of the good draft picks back in 2010. Matthew Slater, like, can't live without you. That's your answer. So the Jets got better. The Dolphins got better. The Bills were already better. We could live in a world, uh, and I'm, I'm, ju- I'm not trying to sound the alarms, and, and, and again, you told, you know, I'm, I'm just an entitled Patriot fan. You could live in a world where a year after spending close to a quarter of a, of a billion dollars, you are the worst team in your division. With a rookie quarterback who's on a rookie deal, and you have every other team in the league conceivably that has that same situation that's just loading up. It's embarrassing. Yeah, that's and that's that's the situation you want to be in, honestly. You look right. at all the all the all these teams that are successful year in and year out, and, and the ones that have those quarterbacks on rookie deals. Because once they get past that rookie deal, man, it takes up so much of your cap space. The the thing with Bill that always blows my mind is was that I, we we got in this you know discussion the other day of build a coach versus build a GM that whole thing. Sometimes I feel like 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 it's like they they don't agree on something, but it's like you're the same fucking person, dude. It doesn't make sense because you know like it, it's he it's like the 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 coach knows he can scheme and he can do things better than any other coach ever. So he feels like he doesn't need to do these skill position guys and he can go out and sign two tight ends and have average wideouts and average running backs and still get the job done. But it's like, bro, when when you have guys in your division who are ballers like Devontae or I guess Parker's not really one of them anymore. All right. So like Jalen Waddle. Still pretty good. Like Tyreek. Yep. Parker's still pretty good. He's a Patriot killer. That is true. Like Tyreek Hill, like Stephon Diggs, like all these guys, man, like. 
new playmaker Gabriel Davis from the playoffs. Like all all these guys that can make plays. <laughs> Listen, Gabriel Davis would be your number one wide receiver. In a he would be my number one wide receiver, Bobby. <laughs> That's a fact. It's a fact. It's crazy. I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't get it, man. I Think about this, right? Okay, kind of not the same situation, but kind of the same situation. So the the Los Angeles Chargers, right? They have Justin Herbert on their, on their rookie contract, right? And they're also in a division with Patrick Mahomes. So like they need to be competitive. What do they do? They, they acquire Khalil Mack. They sign JC Jackson. They sure up that defense. They re-sign Mike Williams to a, a monster deal. So they make sure that they're going to be competitive. What does Denver do? Uh, well, we, we, we need to be competitive in this division. Go get me Russell Wilson. So they have Russell Wilson now. They, they, they get rid of all their, all their draft picks. By the way, worth it. Kansas City Chiefs. Again, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes and you, and you have uh, people that you can put in front of him for an offensive line, you have a shot. So you trade, you, you trade, uh, uh, you trade Tyree Kill. Fine. You signed Juju Smith-Schuster, who needs to have a, re- a rebound year. This is this is his last chance to get a big contract, so he needs to perform. So there, you're going to be fine. Oh, you still have Travis Kelsey. Oh, you still have Miko Hardman. So you, you're going to be you're you're going to be fine. The Raiders, the laughing stock of the league, the laughing stock of this show. You know, they're, they're sick of being the laughing stock. What do they do? Oh, they go and they, they get Devonte Adams. <laughs> oh, they get uh, they re-sign Max Crosby. Oh, they signed Chandler Jones. So they've loaded up too. Everyone in the AFC, I mean, I don't think we've been on the, on the air since it happened. The Colts have Matt Ryan. The Cleveland Browns have Deshaun Watson. Amari Cooper got traded to the Browns. And, and Amari, yeah, and Amari Cooper. There, there, so there is a chance of what, you were the seventh best team in the, in the AFC last, last season. You might not be in the top 12 this year. Yeah, I mean, I, automatically with those moves that you said, right? Chargers jump them, without a doubt. Chargers jump the Patriots. And ta- I'm not saying, we'll see what happens next year, but talent, skill-wise, what you see on paper right now, the Chargers are a better football team than the Patriots, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, because they have an offensive line that can protect uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert can throw a million miles an hour, 100 yards down the field, and he has targets now. The only thing that they were lacking were defense, and now they got it. And... You know, I, I've, I've been seeing on, on Twitter and, you know, everywhere. Well, you know, you don't want to be like the Jaguars and sign a, and sign Christian Kirk to a, a $72 million contract. You're right. We did that last year with Nelson Aguilar. We've already done it. We've already done all of, all of the terrible deals. And now, like I said, you put yourself in a position where you're not the best team in the league or you're not even the best team in your conference. Now you're not even the third best team. You might not be the third best team in your, in your damn division. And they deserve it. They, they, if you think, if you think that Bill has always been the guy and the reason for the success this year, this year will test that theory. If I'm wrong, I'm really wrong. If the, if the Patriots win 11 games this year with, (laughs) with the replacements out there, great then he is the greatest coach of all time. But I, as someone who's not in this, you know, not a Patriot fan, Bobby, and it, we has always said, and it's true that the AFC East is kind of the laughing stock, uh, the easiest, the easiest division in football. Is that true anymore? <laughs> no, bro, not even <laughs> close. The, the AFC East, those two top teams. So I'm still hesitant on the Dolphins strictly because of Tua and what we saw from him last year. But the moves that all those teams are making, man. I mean, even even the Jets. The Jets were in on this Tyreek Hill deal right to the end. Uh, the only reason the Dolphins ended up getting him is because they threw that first-round pick in. Everyone's making moves in that division. And to me, I mean, I see it as they, they can't be the laughingstock anymore because you have the Bills who are probably the favorites to come out of the AFC now, right? Yeah. It, with, the Chiefs, with the Chiefs trading uh, Hill... You know, yeah, you still have Mahomes, but the Bills haven't lost anyone and have loaded up and gotten Von Miller on defense to shore up an already fantastic defense. So I, they, they can't be the laughing stock anymore. You know what I mean? Because you look at those past years, man. The Patriots had a cakewalk every year. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think I, I just think the, the rest of the East saw what the Patriots had become that Cam Newton year, 
And, and ever since then, it's been balls to the walls. All of them, man. Every single one of them. They, they, from the Dolphins, the Dolphins traded up to get to it, didn't they? That year? Yes. Yeah. So you have the Dolphins trading up to get to it. You have them trading up to get Jalen Waddle. You have the Bills going to get Josh Allen. They got their man, Stefan Diggs. Like they saw the opening, they seized it, and now we're here, man. Here we are. And uh, just a little disclaimer, those two teams did those moves while you still had two lockdown corners on your roster. You had J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, and they still went out and did that. Now, now you have now you have Malcolm Butler and Terrence Mitchell. They lost both of them for a third round pick in total. Right, right. Uh, can I flip by a, a little uh, like a? I think I think that this is the longest of long shots, uh, and it could easily be disproven and. Uh, not true by the time that this makes the airwaves and you're listening to it on your uh, on your way to do whatever you're doing. But Gronk not committing to Tampa Bay and all the moves that Miami has made and with a certain person's linked history to Miami ownership, it got me thinking, what if, what if Miami trades to a their first round pick because they still have the first round pick that they acquired from uh, from San Francisco for 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 Trey Lance. Other way around, they traded the San Fran one. That true? Yeah, they, they traded twenty nine. They kept their whatever it was twenty twenty. They still have a first round pick. Yeah, yeah. So you, you get a you get a first round pick, maybe a first round next year and a third. Uh, you trade that to Tampa Bay for I. What I would do is trade it for Kyle Trask. And, oh, you also have to give up Mike Kosecki, right? Do that too. So you're going to trade Tua, Kosecki, two firsts, and, and a third for Tom Brady, Kyle Trask. That's it. And then Gronk signs there. And now it's Brady, Gronk, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, just, just, just to shove it up Bill's sphincter two more times. Is that possible, Bobby? I love it. I love it. I love every second of it. Not not only just because, um, you know, Patriots fans would just have an absolute aneurysm if this happened. Jackie O'Donnell, I swear to God, would roll over in her grave and die on the spot, man. Oh, yeah. But I just want to see him with that offense, man. I think that would be so fun to watch. I mean, besides making the eyes bleed of you. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be extremely fun to watch? You're not gonna make my eyes bleed. You're not gonna make my eyes bleed. Well, Brady in a Dolphins jersey, I know, is like like Farvin of Vikings jersey to the Packers. You know what I mean? It, it is it is antichrist. Like it, it it couldn't be a worse case scenario than seeing Tom Brady wearing the turquoise and white, whatever it is. But that would be the funnest offense. Mate, would that? All right, let's compare that. Right, compare that versus the Tampa offense. Which one is better? Which one is funner? I, I, I think I would lean towards Miami, man. Yeah, you got Waddle, Hill, Gasecki, Chase Edmonds versus Evans and Godwin and, and these other. That'd be so fun, man. I would love yeah. it. I would Listen, love it. And it makes sense. It makes sense. Two reasons why it wouldn't make my eyes bleed. Number one, all you have to do is pay the guy because you, you had the money to pay him. 2020 was going to suck anyway. It would have been better if, if you just locked him up for three more years. You could have done that. You chose not to. Number two, if he goes to Miami in the in this in this you know alternate universe and does in one season what Dan Marino couldn't do in fifteen, that just furthers my argument that Dan Marino should not be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Right, right, right. So I, I am I am beholden to the take. I love it. I love it. And oh, and also a big fuck you to Bill. I still love you, Bill Belichick as a coach. I really do. This notion that you are so good that you can just win with teams and players and choose not to build around your uh, your rookie quarterback, who, by the way, if he stays upright this year and gets nine wins, he's better than I thought he was. Because it's going to be an uphill battle now to get nine wins, especially when you have to get four of them against the Dolphins and the Bills. Like you just can't beat up on the Dolphins anymore. Man, that's a fact, man. That's an absolute fact. And not only that, I just, listen, I, I know, you know, I haven't even brought it up yet. So, Pages <laughs> fans to me are one of the most entitled. I'm not saying you guys, 
You yeah, are. Patriots fans to I am. So Patriots fans to me are, are some of the most entitled people, uh, fan bases in the world, man. We've gone through this time and time again. I'm not going to get into it. We're not going to start a fight tonight. Have we done show. it on the air, though? I, I think so. I don't I, think I, so. But seeing their Lord and Savior for so many years in that Dolphins jersey to me would just bring <laughs> so much. All right. So it would bring so much. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Joy. Humble, humbleness. And, uh, joy for me, yes. But it would just humble so many ideals that like listen we are the patriots we expect winning we expect 13 wins a year it is a failure if if this team doesn't get us 12 wins what are we doing this this is the rest of the nfl guys this is this is the world most of us live in okay when we're happy with a 10 11 win season okay this is this is where the rest of the nfl lives and i just think seeing brady beat them up in a Dolphins jersey would just bring oh. them back to that level a little yeah. closer. You know what I mean? Like when we have these arguments next year, I wouldn't expect, well, you know, it's unacceptable if we have 12 wins. Well, no. let Brady kick your ass twice a year yeah. and then come back to me next year and tell me how many wins you expect. I mean, the mere notion of that just like it gives me a little TB8 in my shorts, if you know what I mean. Like it's just, like, that is what you need to see. And, and by the way, he never had to have left. He didn't. He really didn't want to. He wanted things to change. Just pay him. Just pay him, and this would have never happened. Because now what you've seen is you could have called him on his bluff. I mean, Tampa has so far. Oh, you want to retire? Great. Well, if Tom wants to come back and play, like we'll we'll we'll, we'll be ready for him. How much would it cost you to uh, to get rid of him? Five first rounders. Like Arians, say what you want about him. He's not. He's not letting this guy off the hook. Off the hook. And I would love it. Trust me. I, 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 I would absolutely, the, the sports, uh, the, the, the Patriots fan in me would hate it, but the, but the sports fan in me would say, this is what you had. And you decided that y- you could win without them. Now, the other thing, the, I think the more realistic take, uh, cause we're focusing a lot of the Miami Dolphins here because my team, the New England Patriots, your team, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys and for the most part, I think even the Chicago Bears have really done nothing in the offseason. So, except subtract. That's it. Yeah, subtract. So, so the rest of the league is getting better. And I think what's a more realistic uh, scenario, though, uh, I just want to throw this out to you, Bobby. I mean, why wouldn't you, if you're, if you're San Francisco, trade Jimmy G there? You get Tua. It's Trey Lance error. So you have a good backup or Tua can start whatever you need him to do. Jimmy G can throw the ball down the field if he has targets. And I think he'll have targets down there. We, we, we just went over this. Or the, the more realistic option is that Tua turns into the quarterback that nobody thought he would be in the NFL. And he becomes a 4,000-yard passer. And now you're really in trouble because you could have done... Mac, if, if Tua can do it, I think Patriot fans would say, well, Mac Jones is better than Tua. So why wouldn't you give him the same options and build around him like they did to him? Now you're screwed. You don't, the Patriots will be playing catch up for a very long time if this is the opening day roster. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. They're they're uh, they're playing. They're they're eating cereal with a fork. Everyone's eating with a spoon if this right. is the opening day roster. A hundred percent. Because you're right, man. You have an opportunity here with a rookie quarterback, right? So you look at all these other teams that have just been dying for quarterbacks, right? The the Indianapolis Colts are the best example to me, where you have a team that has every other piece available, right? They have wide receivers. They have the running backs. They have the defense. All they've been missing is the quarterback for five years now, pretty much since Luck left. That's all they've been missing. They bring in Matt Ryan, shirt up that spot. The Patriots have... The hardest part of the equation figured out to me. I, I said this the two to you guys when parts. they when they right when they draft the coach and the quarterback. Yes. Is that, yeah. So in I said this to you guys when they drafted Mac. Like, listen, Max, Max, the real deal, man. That dude can make throws not many quarterbacks can make. But you still you, you have to surround him with weapons that are better 
than your best weapon being Hunter Henry. Okay, listen, Hunter Henry's awesome. Great tight end. Great tight end. He cannot and will not ever be the number one option on a Super Bowl team. <laughs> on a, not even a Super Bowl team. Not even a, a good team. You know what I mean? A, a, oh. An actual contender. An actual contender. He can't be your number one option. You got to bring someone in there. And even even Brady, man. Even Brady back in those Patriots days. Like, listen, we've been here. We've done this. Or Patriots, you've done this before. All right? Rache Caldwell was your number one wide receiver in 2013. How did that work out? Right. God rest his soul. How'd that work out? Not very great. So it's just, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. If you're not surrounding him with the weapons that it takes to win a NFL, to, to, to be a great team in the NFL, to be a contender for a championship, then what the hell are you doing here? You know what I mean? You, you, have, you have what you need. It's there. Just to be clear, uh, Rache Caldwell was our number one wide receiver in 2006, and it got us a 24 to three. That's right. It got, it got us a 24 to three lead against the Indianapolis Colts on their own turf, which we subsequently lost because he couldn't catch a ball. Uh, Brady went to the AFC title game and the Super Bowl with uh, the likes of Ben Watson the second time in the Patriots uniform. That was the was that the Kembrell Tompkins year? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, ben Watson was here the year that Gronk held out. So what was that, 20, 2019? I mean, so like we, 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 we made a playoff berth uh, and we got our asses handed to us by the Titans. So like this, all of that. Watson was in the, he was on the league. He was in the team in 2019. Yeah, he was getting, he was collecting his social security. Oh, and, and again, just, just think about this, man. All, in all of those years where you went, uh, where we went to, you know, 10 or yeah, 10 straight AFC title games. The one common denominator was that you had the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport there. Now you don't. And what we saw last year that that equals probably three wins in the regular season and definitely a win in the postseason. So to wrap up uh, this this little thing that we're doing here about uh, the NFL offseason. I have two things that I want to say. The NFL has done a great job with everything that's happening in uh, in 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 sports, uh, staying top of mind when they're not going to be on the field for another six months. It's like unbelievable, they, isn't it? They are the. I mean, they they dominate the sports world year round. And uh, to all the Patriots fans out there, from from one Patriot fan who. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not part of the old guard, right? I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't love the team in '76 because I wasn't born yet. Didn't see the Super Bowl in '85 again because I still was not born. But I do remember. I do remember what it was like when you were building something in '95, '96, and then what it looked like when you were losing all of that in '97, '98, and '99. And I remember what it was like to be five and eleven in 2000. But there was always something next that you were looking at. You were building something. Bill Belichick needs to have the draft of his NFL career 50 or 48 years into his NFL career. Because if he doesn't, this team isn't building anything. And you are now going to be in this purgatory where you are in a nine and eight, eight and nine team, and you're just not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that sums it up pretty well, man. And uh, so that's why I don't want to go off on like that entitled rant real quick. But that's why, though, listen, that's why mo most Patriots fans don't have that mindset. And, and, and I would implore all of them to please remember those days because because it's it's yes, it may have been so long ago. OK. But five and eleven and six and ten seasons are more the norm in the NFL than an eleven and five and and, and twelve and four. Well, I guess those won't be the norm anymore. Eleven and six, twelve and five seasons. Okay, yeah. it, it's it, it's more the norm to be mediocre than it is to be great. So uh, I just implore you all to like just please appreciate what you have. Please appreciate Mister Bill Belichick. And yes, you may go ten and eight this year. But you still are going to go ten and eight or nine and eight with a rookie quarterback that a lot of teams would love to have. All right, what you need to do is is beg your coach slash GM 
<laughs> to get him some damn weapons. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck here for a while. I promise you that. I've been, I've been in this mediocre hell for my entire life, okay? These are all the signs of it continuing. And I'm seeing them all from the Patriots. So we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. But if, if things don't change when it comes to how they operate, how they do business in the offseason, right? I don't see things change. Right. And I mean, I, I don't think there's, that there's anything left that we need to say uh, about uh, the Patriots and of the wild NFL season and just the, the utter uh, mediocrity that, that they are living in. But before we get over to the NBA and the, uh, and the Celtics, uh, speaking of mediocrity, uh, golf season is, is upon us. And I would be lucky to be a mediocre golf player. Uh, but I, th- I do think that if you want to be, you should try out Skillist. So what is Skillist? Skillist is uh, affordable on-demand golf lessons anywhere, anytime. You get to stay connected through uh, with your coaches through chat and Zoom. And these aren't just your, your average driving range coaches. These are coaches that have worked with Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka, and Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. All you need to do is type in code MTP at checkout for 20% off of your first lesson. It's, it's Skillist, available in the Google Play App Store and on the, uh, I think they call it what, the iOS Store, or online at Skillist.com. Skillist, our sponsor, Stop Sucking at Golf. I like that. That's good. They helped me, they helped me with my drive. I didn't even tell you, man. They helped me with my drive. I can drive the ball now. So, you can't hit that. Is that true? Uh, <laughs> still can't drive the ball still can't drive the ball that was a lie i have a good iron game though it's not too bad that's all you play with you, you hit irons you hit i do irons hit off, irons off the tees you hit irons, <laughs> you hit irons off the tees all right getting into uh the, the the nba and more importantly the boston celtics the the celtics right now uh it is we are recording this on on wednesday uh march 23rd the celtics are are up by 27 points over the utah jazz 101 74, another def, uh, defiant win, which I will I'll later say doesn't matter, but we'll get to that. He's only going to say it doesn't matter just despite us, but it's no, fine. No, 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 no. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot <laughs> more to that. Uh, this is very passive aggressive of my end, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But the Celtics right now uh, are basically, uh, they're, they're in it for the three seed and the two seed is up for grabs too. I think since the last time that, uh, that, that we spoke, They've just continued this run, Bobby. So, mm-hmm. is is this the the actual twenty uh, the the twenty twenty two Boston Celtics? Are we living in it? Like, or is this all just other teams are trying to figure out their seating? Maybe they're not playing as tough against the Celtics, and we won't actually know until the playoffs. Listen, you're asking the wrong person for that because. My heart, my heart definitely tells me that this is the team, man. Listen, when you're going up against the best competition that not just your conference has to offer, but both conferences have to offer, and you're not just beating these teams, man. We are absolutely shutting them down. I mean, you look at tonight, right? So we're playing the Jazz right now. I don't even know what the Jazz are ranked right now. I think they're like third or fourth in the West, and we are beating, we're holding them to 70 points at, Midway through the fourth or beginning of the fourth. And then you have the other night with the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, perennial MVP candidate, shut him down and had the starters out of the game for the Nuggets by the beginning of the fourth quarter. We were beating them so bad. It's, it's, it's just, we're not only beating these teams, we're beating them convincingly. Now, I already know what you're going to say. What about the other night where we blew that lead? Listen, I'm not worried about that as much. Specifically, if if we blew a lead right to the Nuggets or to the Jazz, like let's say tonight, right, the Jazz come back and it ends up being like a three-point game. I would be more worried about that than I would be uh, doing it against, who even was it against? I don't even remember. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the, the second Oklahoma worst City team Thunder. in the Western Conference. Right, but it's much easier. I know this shouldn't happen. I know, I get it. But it's much easier for you to let your guard down when you have two of your best players out, when you're playing a back-to-back against one of the worst teams in the NBA. It's just the, the recipe for letting your guard down is there. You know what I mean? The trap game signals. Everything is there. 
but they ended up winning the game anyways. And if you're doing this against the best in the NBA, you can't keep your, your compete level up, fine. We can talk about issues. But at that point, man, it's like, all right, we got this game. This team sucks. Let's wrap it up. Once they realized it wasn't wrapped up, they're like, oh, shit. They still ended up winning by 10. So, I don't know. Even, even, even the one red flag, though. So, like, we're talking about all of that, right? That's the one red flag. Of all this run, the one red flag is a game we won by 11. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay, okay with so, that. I'm okay. Yes, I, I understand that, that is, uh, that's, that's the end result, but that's not the context, right? So what you're saying is... My context. Yeah, well, it's, fr- it's fraudulent. So uh, <laughs> a tra- the whole trap game scenario, listen, I, I, I could have lived, I, I would have been able to live with that if they, if, if they played them close the entire time or if they were trailing. When you're up 28 points with 14 minutes left in the game to a team that is nine and 35 on their home court, who is also playing the second night of a, ba- of a, of a back-to-back, you don't blow that lead. And if you do and you still win, great, because that's the most important part, but you deserve the criticism because you, you can't do that. You, you can't. It doesn't make sense to me where we're we're celebrating. I'm doing it, which is why I'm trying to hold you to the same model of consistency that I am holding myself to, Bobby. If we're going to celebrate the utter dominance of them against Golden State or against Denver, and if those win matter more because they, they won by a lot, then not winning by a lot against a terrible team when you were almost up 30 is a red flag. Now, I know they, they took their foot off the gas and they were lucky to have been playing against a team that was not capable of capitalizing. But what happens when they're up 18 on Chicago on the first round and they decide we got this in the bag and then a run starts that they can't stop. That is, that, that is a flaw that if it had never happened before in the history of the, uh, of the Boston Celtics as they are currently built, I'd be fine. But I'm just here on March 23rd or March 24th, whatever you choose to listen to this, to remind you that the Boston Celtics led every single game in the fourth quarter that they lost to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. So they've done it. They've done this. So don't do that again is all I'm saying. That is my only point. So, okay. I hear you. I even preface it by saying, I don't want to be, I'm, tr- I'm trying really hard not to be negative. And then I get jumped on about, oh, it's your narrative and the win. <laughs> and oh, they still won, but they beat bigger, they beat better teams by a lot. Well, if you just told me that a win's a win. So who the fuck cares if they win by a hundred? Doesn't matter if they win by a hundred or if they win by one Vin Diesel, a win is a win, right? Listen, you know better. Then to come at a positive time when it comes to the Celtics at me and Ray, we're going to, we're going to jump down your throat and tell you why everything is fine and dandy. Okay. But I completely hear what you're saying. <laughs> I, I do get it. I do get it, man. Because listen, the precedent, uh, hearing you explain it like that, it makes it a lot different because you're right. The precedent is already there. Okay. They, we've seen that from them before. Uh, I, I think the saving grace is that they ended up winning the game. Like you said in the Discord the other day, last year they lose that game. No doubt about it. We saw, yes. we actually saw them lose that game <laughs> last year against the Pelicans. You remember that? They were up 27 yep. in the fourth. They ended up losing. So, so we've seen them lose that game before. The saving grace to me is they didn't. They, they did find a way to, to hold on to that lead and, and even still win convincingly. It wasn't something where it was still in question in that last two minutes of the game. The, the thing that, jumps out to me is the Celtics aren't the only top team in the Eastern Conference with these huge red flags going off this year, right? So we already have the Sixers, this Harden and B dynamic. Not really sure about it. It looks amazing at some nights, but like James Harden does, he looks awful on some nights. What did they lose to the they lost to the Nets by what, like sixty four last week or something <laughs> like that. And then you have the Bulls. Do you know what the Bulls record this year is against teams ranked in the top three in the Eastern Conference. How many wins do you think they have? How many? All year. All year. Uh, three. Zero. Nice. They're 0-16 in, 
against teams ranked in the top three in the Eastern Conference, right? The Bucks. I mean, they're the Bucks. They have Giannis. They're going to be a tough out regardless. I, I honestly can't think of much of a red flag with them, except maybe health. But even then, you got Giannis. So that, Isn't it, don't they have a terrible head? Don't they have a terrible head coach? Who's their head coach now? Didn't they just? Oh, Budenholzer, right? Isn't they have Budenholzer still? Yeah, they do have Buden. But yeah, I mean, even still, you still got Giannis, man. And that's that's the team that scares me. The rest of the Eastern Conference, I think, is so flawed. Especially, I know, I know, you got the Nets, maybe, but man, if Ben Simmons doesn't play, I just don't see it from them this year. Listen, KD is amazing; he's awesome, but I don't know if he can do it by himself. And, and Kyrie is Kyrie. I, I haven't seen anything from Kyrie in New Jersey or even since Boston days that in the playoffs makes me think he's going to show up and be that Kyrie that he was in Cleveland in the playoffs. So I, I, I haven't did, been. Didn't, did, didn't he? Didn't he have a great game last year and, and stomp on Lucky in our home court after he after he had a great game? I mean, it's not that long ago, dude. Yeah. So now you have Kyrie. You have uh, again. We we talked about this last time. The guy that would be in the uh, the Ball Hall of Fame if only that was the name of it. But because there's basket, he won't be there. Ben Simmons, if he's going to play, great. I'm not worried about him. Kyrie now. That the mandate in New York seems to be lifted and he will be playing and be able to play home games. I think that, yeah, I still think that Brooklyn's beatable. I'm not, I'm not entirely worried about them, but if what you're telling me is that they, that they just, they've just been waiting and now it starts really in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden Andre Drummond, He's gonna go out. He's gonna he's gonna be the guy that we all that we all used to want here in Boston. And that Kyrie's gonna he's gonna ball out. We all we all know what KD is gonna do. They're gonna be a formidable team. Unfortunately, I I still think they could be bounced in the first round if they play Miami. I think Miami matched up really well against them. And I also I think I think Steve Nash is a is a good coach, but I think I, I think Spolstra has proven that he is the best coach in the Eastern Conference, and maybe even, you know, well, Popovich is still here. So he's he's up there with Pop in the, in the league. Yeah. But Amy's the one seed right now. Is that right? Yeah, they're, four, they're 47 and 25. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah, my, Miami does scare me. So those, those are the two. The, the, the Heat and the Bucks are the two teams in me that scare me because uh, as good as Robert Williams has been, as good as Grant Williams has been, as good as he was on Jokic the other night, which he was awesome on Jokic the other night. That's that's a piece that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is Grant Williams, how awesome he's been this year, which is crazy because how bad he was last year. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's crazy. But Giannis and, and, and the Heat are the two teams that do scare me. And, and I do think a lot of it has to do with what you were talking about earlier, man, is, is that series in the bubble where... We had the heat in that series, man. We really did. We were the better team every single game. But I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if it was how soft we were. I'm not sure what the recipe was. But they had our number in the fourth quarter. And it was like a a completely different basketball. There was three quarters. That was one game. And in the fourth quarter was a completely different game where they just dominated us every single game. Every time. Every time. It was unbelievable. So they they do scare me. But... I don't know. I think Emmy, Emmy to me has done such a good job with getting rid of all those red flags that we saw for so many years. Like, like, like we talked about, we already had this entire conversation last time. It's just, it's just so solidified to me that even since then, right, we've seen those red flags pop back up. Like you said in that OKC game, they didn't sink them. We've seen them dominate the better teams in the NBA to the point where our defense. I think we let up against the Nuggets in the second quarter 12 points. It's just we're doing defensively things that that you haven't seen a Celtics team or even an NBA team do in a very long time. So that's why I, I just do have a lot of promise for this playoffs. But I don't worry, Mike. No matter how much promise and positivity I have in my brain, I still hear your little fucking chirping mind in the back of my brain like, well, you know, they did lose every fourth quarter lead against the Heat. It's there. And and it's definitely prevalent and it's definitely warranted. But Right. Well, 
it would be different if I was saying like, yeah, I remember when in the garden they were winning all. No, this happened two years and two years ago with most of the same team there. They did it now again. OKC, if that if that you you already talked about the Pelican game, like that already happened. That would have happened again last year. They and they corrected it. That's fine. I think what's really happening, and you heard it here first is I'm starting to believe in them in my heart. But I've been so jaded based on what I've seen with my eyes, lazy and all, that I just don't know if I can trust them yet. And it sucks for the, for, for the, uh, for the content right now because everything I'm saying is true now until it isn't. Like I can tell you right now, that Celtics, the Celtics have not done anything in the playoffs this year. That's true, but they also they haven't been there yet. Now, if they if they if they sweep Chicago, or they or, or they beat him in five, okay, all right, great. And if that's what they play, right? I mean, I, I think that the Celtics there's a really good possibility that they could finish third. If they finish third, give me Cleveland, give me Cleveland all day, and they they better sweep them. If you yeah, play the not- Nets. If you play the Nets, you this is now your 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 year to win. There's no big three in Brooklyn anymore. So if if what if everything that what you've been telling me over the last uh, I could say ten years, we'll just focus on the last two and a half months is true, then this version of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams. They should be good enough and better to beat Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the rest of them. Because that's all that they are. They're just the rest of them. You have two stars. They have a perennial Hall of Famer. And I think probably one of the best point guards that we've seen in, in our generation. But if you're, if you're more well-rounded and everything that we've been seeing recently is true, doesn't this team, does, don't, don't we beat them? Like, shouldn't we? And if we don't, I know that you're going to say, well, you know, if you lose to the Nets, you lose to the Nets. I don't understand why, why, why we should be okay with losing to, to Giannis. I forgot that only one great person could beat two really good people. Like, if we value this team as much as you say that you do, you should look at our roster compared to Milwaukee's roster and say, you have the horses to beat them. Look, let Giannis score 60. Just don't let anyone else, just don't let the rest of them score 60. You should win that game. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I I, I like where he heads out there. It's just so good, man. We so what? He, he took that playoffs over. I mean, he did so, he was so good last year. But listen, if it comes down to it in the playoffs and we ended up playing Milwaukee, you know I'm going to be the one like, listen, we, we fucking be, we'll take them down. But he's something, man. Giannis went to the championship and won the championship. Because Kevin Durant got hurt and Chris Paul got hurt, and because his foot was and because his foot was on the line, because um, KD hit that three. Right. Remember, he hit that three, and then he, he yeah. technically beat. So, looking at the playoff matchups, though, so I know I know you brought that up at the beginning. We wanted to go into these matchups here. You're right, man. You look at where we're we're matching up right now. The Cavs are the bullseye for me. I, I said it last time. That's that's the team that Celtics fans you want to play in that first round because. They are the young, up-and-coming, we're-happy-to-be-here team. They're good. Don't get me wrong. But the Celtics should have no problem with them. Right. The rest of the teams that we could possibly face uh, kind of scare me a little bit with how they're made up. Not scare me, but I think that it would be a tougher matchup where we have the Nets, like you said, KD, Kyrie. I agree. I think we should beat them based off of what their team looks like just with the rest of the pieces around them. But, I mean... A first-round matchup against fucking Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is not something I want in any universe whatsoever. And then the other one's the Raptors to me. Listen, I, you guys know how I feel about the Raptors. I love me some Toronto Raptor, ba- Raptor basketball, okay? Oh, yeah. This team is not the same Raptor team as it was in years past. It's not even close. But they still play that same style of basketball that gave the Celtics fits in the bubble two years ago. So. I think, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to rewind that a little bit further, actually, because the one thing we did dominate in that series, thinking back to it, 
was Pascal Siakam. Anytime Siakam tried to take that game over, we just dominated him. Uh, and that's all they got now. So that's also the series that made the Miami series so much more hurtful, right? It's because you were down pretty much in every game in the third quarter against the Raptors and you yeah. fought back to win. And great. Yeah. So it's not the same players, but they say they play the same brand of basketball. That's literally like telling me, well, you know, the Celtics don't have Larry Bird anymore, but they play the same scheme. So they're going to be tough. No, that's, that's it's the same coach. It's the same coach. You lost Kawhi Leonard. You lost. Yeah, that's out. true. But I mean, that, it, it's just, it's just not the same. It's like, it's like the Warriors without clay. They play the same brand. Why, why have they not been great? Uh, and, and since he's been back, or until he got back. Well, when we played him, they didn't have Kawhi. That was just the Lowry year, remember? Kawhi was already gone. In the bubble, Kawhi was gone, wasn't he? Yeah. Kawhi left the year before. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, Kawhi left the year before. I think you're right, yeah. I think you are yeah. right. The, the Clippers, because he went to the Clippers that year, and that was oh, when the yeah, Clippers lost, choked. That was when the Clippers the choked round. with your boy Doc. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, he went to the Clippers 2019. Yeah, yeah, that feels right. And that was the same year as the bubble and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, but still, they don't have Lowry anymore. And that was the main piece of that team. Anyway, so. Oh, and, and where is, where is Lowry? And he's in Miami. Hmm. That's what hmm. I mean. That Miami team, man, they're scary. They're scary. They're scary. They're scary. So, yeah. I mean, they, they have nights where they look really bad, which I, I feel like every team does. I mean, except for the Celtics lately. But. Besides against OKC. They still won by 11. They were up by 28 with right, 14 so, so, minutes left. So they didn't look bad. They looked bad for like six minutes. Do you think that uh, you you actually, you, oh, I'm so glad I get to say this to you. Oh, God. You have told me before that anyone that says <laughs> that a basketball game is won or lost in the third quarter is wrong. It's won in the fourth quarter. They didn't, the Celtics didn't do anything to win that game. They just, they, I would just say that OKC did do anything to win either. That's it. Like they, they would, had they played with one against another team, I'll just say this. If that had happened against, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota beat you. They just played a, a team that was 20 and 51. Like that's what happened. So they got lucky, but that, that, that is a bad game. It's a bad win. And yes, Rayshon. And for all those listeners out there, there is a thing called bad wins. The Patriots had nine of them last year. That's what happens. Okay. Sorry, Bobby. It's okay. No, I listen. I, I completely hear what you're saying. And and the so I, I just feel like I've been so stuck in Cowboys off season that it's like kind of clouding my Celtics positivity moment because every negative thing you're saying, I'm like, listen, I get it, man. It, it, all those signs are there. It is the same team that had these breakdowns. It is this. It is that. Two differences. A, Emi Adoka is obviously doing something with, with, the, with the mindset of this team that they're, they're a harder, stronger, tougher team than they were two years ago. That's very evident. And the defense is the best. I said this to Ray the other day when we were playing the Nuggets. Is this an overreaction? That yes. this is the best defensive group we have ever seen as a Celtics since since we've been fans. You know what I mean? Have you ever seen a Celtics team dominate defensively this consistently for this long of a span? Bro, this isn't just like 10 games. You know what I mean? We are by far the best defensive team in the league since the All-Star break. And it is not even close. It's I think we're at, we're giving up, I think it's like, 90 points a game and the next closest is like 98 something around there so it's like it's not even that you know we're we're closely the best defensive team in the league we are dominantly by far the best defensive team in the league and and to me like ray ray always says he always alludes to defense travels defense 100 does travel and against the best players in the nba the one things that you need to have is solid defense. You need to be able to shut down these best scorers in the NBA, or else you're not going to have a chance. Listen, if if you're going up against the Nuggets and, and Jokic is dropping 55 on you, but you also are letting Aaron Gordon score 20, you don't have a goddamn chance in that game, okay? 
But if your defense is is shutting down, listen, shutting down Jokic the other night, that's not going to happen every time. Let him get his 30, like you said. Let him do his thing. But you got to stop everyone else, and that's what they've been doing. So I I forget which coach it was, but I remember somebody saying recently that if at this point, the way the Celtics are going, we score 100 on them, we look at that as a victory, even if we lose this game. That's what I mean, man. Teams just can't score on this team the way they're going right now. I mean, you just look. I'm looking at the plus minuses right now for this Jazz versus Celtics game, and Celtics are going to win this game. They just won it by 28 points, and every single Jazz is at least minus 10. It is just they are just playing bad basketball. Uh, Celtics opponents are just playing bad basketball against them. Yeah, uh, I mean, awesome, I, I would just push back just a little bit, uh, just because I feel like I have to. Uh, the best defensive team that I've seen since I've been a fan is still the 07-08 Celtics. Sure. Okay, but this team actually compares to them defensively. Sure. For now, yeah. You know what they do. I mean, that team went 66-16, and but sure. Yeah, it, it, it compares. That team was so fucking good. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that they're as good as that team. All right, they're not. You're, but you're also not not saying that. Yeah, I'm not not saying it, 100%. <laughs> um, that literally took the words right out of my mouth, bro, because, like, they 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 just have shown us, like I keep saying, this isn't a small sample size, right? If we were sitting here six games into this run, and we were like, oh, yeah, best defensive. Bro, this is, this is a two and a half months of basketball. You know what I mean? And, and And basketball isn't every week. Basketball isn't every five days. This is almost every single night this team is putting out defensive efforts to where, like Craig just said, if teams score above 100, they're seeing that as a success. In today's NBA, that is insanity that teams are seeing it as a success if they hit 100. If, if the Celtics don't hit 100 in a game, I'm like, bro, what, what the fuck is wrong with them tonight? What's, what's going on? If teams are hitting 100 against the Celtics, they're like, okay, let's go. Like, it, 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 it's just a different mindset from this team. You want the, the one, I, I have the one stat that I'll point out that tells me that this team is different is the Celtics record last year when they had one day's rest was 23 and 24. So they had a losing record when they only had one day off. This year, it's 29 and 16. So they're ready to play. They are ready to play. They're actually worse if you give them more rest. So the Celtics are uh, six and five with two days, one and one with three, oh and one with uh, with four. And on on the second night of uh, or, or sorry, on the back end of a of a back to back, they're eight and five. So the more this team plays, the better they are, which tells you. And and if you are a Celtics optimist, which I clearly. I think I am at heart. I just can't allow myself to be it all the time. This team's this team is different. So I don't. There's not. There isn't one team in the East that actually scares me. I'm going to be called out by all the you know by the the real knowledgeable basketball fans. If what we're seeing is true, and we all believe that it is, your team matches up. It's a fifty fifty shot against any team in the league. Now, if you get the Warriors when they're the apps at their at, at their absolute best. We have historically given them fits, even when even when uh, Horseshoes was the coach. So, I think it's a fifty fifty shot, and I, I'll still, I'll, I'll still stand by my take. Now, it doesn't matter if if the season ends before June. I'll just tell you right now that it doesn't look like the season's going to end before June. Man. and that's such an awesome thing to say, man. It, it's great to hear that because of where this season started because of how low our hopes were. Listen, most members of this podcast, all right, had sworn off the Celtics. I was one of them, 100%. Beginning of the season, man, I I stopped. I literally stopped watching games. I I forced myself to stop watching Celtics basketball (laughs) because of how frustrating it was getting. It was every night it was the same thing. It was last year all over again. We were 20 games in, still same thing. Yep. You know, I, I pushed the entire first 20. Oh, it's new. It's new. Once you got to game 20, it was like, all right, it's the same bullshit all over again. And then it just seemed like a flip switched. And it's been 30, 40 games of the best defensive basketball I've seen in a long time. Of Tatum and Brown 
Uh, more Tatum. Brown's been kind of hurt. Of Tatum showing that he actually is the star we thought he was, even though we've been saying that for four years. It, it's great to see, man. I, I don't have anything else to say about it because yeah, it's I think just this like, is a good balance, man. I think this is a, I know? think this is a really good balance. Uh, I was, I, I was so, and still am so angry. And we just, so are you about uh, what our teams have not done uh, in the NFL that we get to, we get to, you know, close it out with a little positivity on, on, on the, on the Boston Celtics. So until next time for the real BK, Bob Kelly, Craig Delisandro, this is Mike Marcangelo saying, thank you so much for listening uh, to missing the point. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the the Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.